All right, good morning. As you can tell, it has been a crazy morning. Um, the uh, air conditioner's not working, so we've got some air conditioners. Praise the Lord. That's cooler, cooler in here. Um, I did, next week, for, for real, bring your jackets. We're going to have it ready. But uh, we got everything started going this morning. Satan's uh, any kind of temptation to get us off track. The, this back wall, the auto receptacles quit working this morning. So it's one thing after another this morning. And uh, so y'all just be with us and uh, be patient. But I'm going in a little different direction than what I had planned. God kind of just, uh, he's got a way of doing that. Amen? of uh, changing our direction, changing our plans. Um, this series, by design, is, is, uh, is something God can lay on our hearts about marriages. But this morning, uh, it can be applied to any area in your life. One of the biggest problems in marriages is, is fighting. Amen? Amen? If you say you, had, you don't fight in your marriage, you never fought, you're telling a lie. And Sabrina and I, we didn't fight at all. Like, Till we were married about six years, not one time, promise. We had heated discussions, but we never fought. You know what that is? That's <laughs> a fight. But, you know, but one of the things is we're going to fight. There's going to be conflict in our marriage from time to time. But also, there's conflict in relationships you have anyway. And God's kind of laid on my heart of how, how we should handle conflict with someone else. And especially our spouse. So this morning, that's where we're going to go. Uh, that's what we're going to be covering. Um, but, but we're going to kind of be leaning more toward marriage. So if you're in here this morning and you're not married, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you're divorced, whatever your place is right now, don't tune me out, okay? Because God's got something in, in store for you. So the, the design for our marriage was not for us to be bogged down in confusion and conflict, was it? Huh? Y'all got to speak loud because these fans got me deaf up here, okay? So y'all got to speak loud. So it wasn't for us to be bogged down in. A lot of times we're bogged down. We get bogged down in conflict. We get bogged down in, in, in just in, in the arguments and the fussing and the fighting and the drama. And if we do it so long and we don't try to figure out a way to resolve these things, eventually one of the, one of the people in the, in the relationship is going to want out, right? That's how it always happens. And God's kind of just showed in Ephesians 6, it talks about we need to get our focus on what we're really fighting. Get it up. Ephesians 6, 10 says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of this evil realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After all, you have done everything. Stand. To stand. Stand firm. And then it goes on talking about putting on the belt of truth and all those other things. But the most important part for us to realize is when, you're, when there's conflict going on, the first thing we do is we focus on the other person, don't we? Oh, well, they're this way and they're that way. And we start, we, we start making a list of all their bad character flaws. Y'all with me? You know? They're hard-headed. They're stubborn. They don't want to listen. They don't love me. They, they're selfish. We make all these. But we need to realize that the conflict is not with you or your spouse or with you or your coworker. It's between you and Satan. Because it's not against flesh and blood. That's what, that's what the Bible's trying to tell us to understand. Every conflict we have, Satan's trying to use your personality to promote his, his principality. Y'all with me? So if there's stuff in our lives that we don't have in check, he's going to use those character flaws that we have to intensify the conflict. If there's insecurities in your heart and then somebody says something, not knowing that's your that's an insecurity, and, uh, and all of a sudden that's a red flag and you're mad. They don't know what they said to make you mad, but all they know is they said the wrong thing. Anybody, anybody got some insecurities in the room? Anybody? We got, one, we got a few. Thank y'all. And, and so I know Sabrina, I talk about her a lot, and she told me last night, she was, not last night, but the other Sunday, she was like, stop preaching about me. I said, I'm not, baby. I'm preaching about Jesus, but you're, you're, you're the closest thing I got. That didn't help any. But the thing is, 
I do life with her, and we've been married uh, this year 14 years. We've, we've dated five years before we got married. We were, we were engaged one year, so we, I don't do things fast, if y'all figured that out. Got 14 years, had a child, but anyway, I've known her half my life, over half my life, and so everything that, that I do with relationships and marriage revolves around those things, but you know, one of my wife's insecurities has, has always been like she, she, if you know my wife, you know she's quiet. She don't like talking in front of people. And so I remember, I, I can talk in front of everybody. I can, I can meet, I've never been able not to meet a stranger everywhere I go. That's just my personality. And, and so I'd go somewhere and I would ask Sabrina to say something or to talk. Let me tell you, she wouldn't say nothing right then, but we'd get in that truck. That's why one of my ears, the right one, because I drive, is, is smaller than the left one because she chews this one off sometimes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, what, what, what did I do wrong? You know, and come to find out what I, was, what I had done is I had played into her insecurity and I didn't know what I had done. And so we have to, God's really been stirring in my heart of knowing that, you know, we got to quit playing the blame game with each other and we got to understand why the conflict happens. And some of us men, we could care less. We're, we're, we're mad right now. In 45 minutes, we can't remember what we're mad about. Y'all with me? Your wife's mad for two months for the same thing because you didn't ask, you didn't say, I'm sorry, you didn't ask, you, you, there's that conflict there. Y'all quit looking around. All y'all looking around like, anybody else like this? I, I, I'm serious, I'm telling you. That's how we are. And, and we start wanting to play the blame game. We're putting the blame on everybody else. And, real, and the reality is this. God's been telling me this. I cannot control anybody but myself. You can't control your spouse. You can't control the person you have conflict with, but you can control you. You control how you respond. You can control how you love, and you can control how you act. When conflict happens, most time, I used to always go to God and say, God, they did this, this, and this. And God's like, well, Jeremy, what do you need to do to fix this? Like, I didn't cause the problem. I didn't, I didn't ask you that. What are you going to do to help fix this? See, in order to be a biblical man or woman, we have to make sure we handle conflict the right way. And I, I, we got to address the major issues in marriages that, that cause problems. I mean, there's, in marriages, there's communication, there's, there's money, there's, there's sex, and there's children. That's about, about the four main ones. And, and a lot of times, the reason those things cause problems is because both people have different views on how those things should be handled. Y'all with me? And so I begin to think about communication. Men and women communicate differently, don't they? Way differently. It's like the difference between a, a digital radio and an analog. I mean, it's two totally, they don't even talk sometimes together. They don't even work out. And so if you don't know how to talk to your spouse, you don't know what makes them, you don't know how to talk to them, then that, that, that's causing problems to begin with, right? If you get into the marriage and, 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 and you're, idea of money is, is messed up, then that's going to cause a lot of problems. A lot of problems. If one of you grew up in, in, a, in a family that was very frugal, that managed their money, that was very, that's how you're going to be. And then if your spouse is very frivolous with money, that's always going to be problems, right? Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't tell me how to do this. It's always that drama in the marriage about money. How about sex? People have different views on sex. We ain't going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that later, but I'm, I'm, that's a very uncomfortable topic to preach on. But anyway, but sex does cause up a lot of issues in marriages. Anticipations, expectations, all those different things. And, and so if you don't have, if y'all on the same page, then there's always conflict about that. And then about children, how to, how to discipline the children. If, when you, if you're a blended family, how do you love your, your spouse's children like your own children? Those, those conflicts are in there. And if you don't know how to handle those things the godly way, then what happens is, like we talked about last week, is sand, always in your shoes. It irritates you day in and day out. And it constantly irritates you. And if you're not careful, it'll cause you to want to stop, to want to get out, to want to quit because you're not handling these things. You're just allowing this stuff to pile up on you. Kind of like in, it's kind of like in the river. If you ever been, I love the Geechee River, but if you go to the river, the river has changed its course, its path, because 
sand constantly pushes on one side and, and, and the river will change directions when the sand beds get put. It's like a barrier. And a lot of our marriages had a, the course in which we intended it to be is not where it needs to be because we've allowed stuff to be a barrier to the path in which God designed for us to go on. And a lot of these things are small. But if we don't deal with them, they, they just begin to constantly, constantly mount up. And I want you to understand that it's all about how Satan tries to use things in order to get our attention off what's most important. Are with me? And, and, and so Satan, he's the master deceiver. And he wants your marriage to fail. Why does he want your marriage to fail? Because your marriage is a, is a picture of what it means to truly love Jesus. How two imperfect people can come together despite their flaws and live together in harmony. I said in harmony. Y'all with me? In harmony with one another until death do us apart. Not until you kill one another. But it's a picture of that. And, and if you've ever seen a, a sure enough godly marriage where two people are living in harmony with one another, you as a married couple, is like, you're like, I want that. I want to be loved the way she loves him. I want to be loved the way he loves her. And you see those things. And, and see, the thing is, we should be pursuing our spouses like, like Christ pursues the church. Y'all with me? Everything goes back to Jesus. And as I begin to think about this week and how we, how we should handle conflict and how Satan tries to just cause those things to, to just cause our lack of motivation to change. See, there's stuff in your life right now that you are okay with being jacked up about. There's attitudes you have right now that you're okay with. You know what you say? That's just me. You know what? That's just wrong. Because to be a follower of Jesus... It means you're not you anymore, right? We should die to ourselves and grow closer to Christ. Y'all tracking with me? And so, so to say that's just me is just saying, I'm only satisfied with the little bit of Jesus I got. I don't want to be full of him. And that ain't what it means to be a full, true enough follower of Jesus Christ. And so if Satan takes those little things that you choose not to let go of and he allows those things to be magnified in your life where it causes a roadblock in your relationships... Pride is a huge one. People want to hold on to pride. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. Man, how many people have you, have you known that they won't, they just choose not to, they're not going to lose a fight. They're not going to lose a fight. Y'all see some of y'all smiling. Don't be, don't be the Holy Spirit to your spouse, all right? Don't be poking nobody. But you, you want to fight and everything's going on. He could be right or she could be right. But you know what? You're going you to say the last word. Oh, I'm the only one like that. Okay. We could be fussing and fighting. It's ready to be right when we got done, and it's almost done. Like everybody's smiling. I'm be like, I knew I was right. And shut the door. Go on. I can hear about it. I come back and I just pour gas on the fire. Sometimes we allow our sin to be elevated higher than God. And we choose not to let go of it. And so when you, when, when you choose to, to, to have a godly marriage and really, truly die to those things, what happens, Dallas made the statement a lot saying how he can live with anybody else and be happy but not be as holy when gentle. That's what, that's what it means. When you're living with someone and you're in a relationship with someone, they should make you grow closer to Christ. That means when you have failed and you have sinned, not only against them but God, then then. It calls for repentance. It calls for redirection. And then you're closer to them and closer to Jesus. That's what the design is. But when we allow our own attitudes and, and all these things to, to cause a barrier there, it puts distance. I know a lot of couples that they, they came to me, they've been talking, and, and what, what it is is like our sex life just sitting where it should be. I don't know what's going on. You know, I, one, one of them in the, in the couple a lot of times have, has, has an addiction with porn sometimes. And so, so they, they, they choose. I had a guy come to me a while back, and he was telling me these things, and, and uh, I was like, well, well, what's going on in your life? And finally found out that he had an addiction to pornography. And, and so what happened was that addiction to pornography changed his perspective on how his wife should love him and treat him. And he continued not to deal with that, knowing it was wrong, and it had distorted the whole view of what what sex inside of a marriage should look like. 
And so when we allow those things not to be dealt with, it causes confusion in our marriage. Same thing with like being, some people grow up thinking they're entitled to everything. Y'all with me? And so that self-entitlement thing is like you think that you're entitled to everything. You think you're entitled to, to be catered to. You think you're entitled to, to be right all the time. You think that, that you should love your spouse even though you don't love them back. And that self-entitlement attitude causes, causes dysfunction in your, in your relationships. Y'all with me? And so we've got to be careful that those things don't become a root in which grows up in our relationships and, and pushes the other person away. And the only way we do that is we handle our conflicts in a godly way. Realizing that we're fighting against Satan, not against the other person. And, and when I was reading this, God just laid four things on me. And if you're a note taker, write these down. But the only way we're going to overcome conflicts in our marriage is that, number one, we've got to know our mate. You've got to know the other person. Number two, you've to empathize with your spouse, with the other person. You have to honor one another. And number four, is you have to listen to one another. And as I began to look at those things, I began to think about, in order for my relationship with God to be the right way, I've got to know Jesus. Y'all with me? I've got to know him to know what he expects, know what he likes, know what he dislikes for our relationship to work out. I have to put myself in Jesus' shoes. That's why we sometimes wear these bracelets. What would Jesus do? I need to know how he's going to respond in certain situations, empathizing with the Savior. I have to honor God by his position, knowing what he is, who he is in my life if my relationship is going to work out, and I have to listen to God. So that's kind of where God was leading me. But knowing your mate, 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. It says, husbands, in every way, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs when you, with you, sorry, of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It says, be considerate as you live with your wives. In the New King James Version, or in the King James Version, it, it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. When you're dwelling with each other, it's, it's in the knowledge that you know of them. You with me? As you grow with each other, if you're in a relationship, you know what they want. It says, be considerate. When's the last time you've been considerate to your spouse's needs? When have you been considered to that person at work that's always in opposition against you? See, understanding each other, their likes, their dislikes, understanding these things, sometimes people haven't even had a conversation about the problems in their marriage. They just, they just keep just going over, like it's a speed bump. They just keep running over it, running over it. They, they say, instead of slowing down and saying, why is this here? What, what's this conflict? What's this problem? See, I think one of the biggest things, knowing your mate, you need to understand one thing. Men, you need to understand that your wife is not just your wife. She's a child of the king. You with me? If, she's a, if, you're, if you are true followers of Christ, then your wife is a child of the king. You need to treat her like a child of the king. You with me? You need to treat her with respect. You need to treat her with honor. You need to, you need to treat her like, like she's royalty because she is. Stop treating her like she's some second-class citizen that, that's there for just, you, just for you to kick, to cook for you, to clean for you, and to wash your clothes and to watch your kids. That is not what she's there for. She's the daughter of the king. So start treating her like a princess. You start treating your wife like a princess, she'll start treating you like a king. Y'all with me? I'm looking for one amen, ladies. Y'all with me? And that's the thing. We've got to realize that is that we are not just people. When we're following Christ, we're, child, we're children of the king. We're in the kingdom. So ladies, treat your husband like a king. And a lot of times we want to treat people the way we've been treated instead of the way we want to be treated. That's something my granddad told me when I was a little boy. And I've always, it's always been in my mind. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And I've always lived by that. And 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 and. and that means you live like, that means you treat people the way you want to be treated, even though they're not treating you that way right then. When's the last time you've done that with your spouse? Understanding what people, what they like, what they don't like, understanding what makes them tick is, 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 is like crucial to helping to overcome conflict. Because you can be doing something and not even know why you're, why, why you're getting mad about it. 
I mean, when we first got married, when I, let me tell you, when I, before we got married, I would take my clothes and I would throw them on the floor because clothes on the floor were dirty, okay? My wife hates that. Dirty clothes goes in, come on, ladies, the basket. So we were together about, we were married about six months, and, and then I'd come home from work, and she would be irate, grumbling. I was like, well, what's the big deal? I don't know what the big deal is. And finally I understood that that was her, a pet peeve of hers. And you know what? So you know what I realized? I, I'm not really smart. I told you it took six months for me to get this, okay? So, so I, I realized, okay, okay, Jeremy, don't put clothes in hamper. She, I mean, you put clothes in hamper, she's extremely happy. Happy wife, happy life. You know what I'm saying? So I, I started doing that. Guess what? Conflict resolved. You know why? Because I learned what upset her. Stop doing things. A lot of times we do stuff out of just ignorance and not realizing that we can change one thing it will make our lives a lot better. Knowing your spouse. Knowing your person. See, knowing your spouse is a key piece to the puzzle. Each of us should learn what makes each other happy. And then it, what it does is it starts building you up instead of separating you guys. The, um, the other thing is, is empathizing with your spouse. And empathy, it means it's the ability to feel or to, to identify with someone else, to walk in their shoes. When's the last time there's been a conflict in your, in your relationship that you really slowed down and it's like, all right, let me put myself in their shoes. Most of the time you don't do that until after it is blown up so big you think, that the next time she comes in the room, the announcer is going to come in and say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Y'all with me? We have to really think about what, why are they feeling the way, put ourselves in their shoes. You know, guys, I think about that. Why is that so important? Because Jesus did that in John. John 11. Roll it. John 11 32 says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, he saw him. She saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Talking about Lazarus. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? I asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He empathized with the people. He felt their pain. He felt their suffering. When you have a spouse that's going through something hard, don't sit there and be this person that's like, that's your problem, not mine. You need to empathize with them and understand why they feel the way they feel. Because Jesus set the example of that. He could have said, why are you crying? Y'all missed the point. No, he empathized with them and cried, understanding their heart. When's the last time you sat down and tried to understand your spouse's heart? Understand the person's heart that you're in conflict with. When's the last time that you've done that? You know, trading places, and, and I never really got that until I come home from work one day, and, and I came home, and a lot of us men, we've got this self-entitlement attitude where I've worked all day, I've made the money, I'm coming home. Now, I'm, I'm just going to chill for a little while. And I come home, and, and I sat down, and she'd been home. She'd been, right after we had Payson, she'd been home. Uh, she, had a, she worked all day. Uh, Payson was crying. She was trying to cook supper. She was trying to do all this stuff. And here I was sitting in the chair, and then she just has a meltdown and starts crying. I can't handle a crying woman. I just can't handle it. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? If you are coming to me crying, I will give you everything I got so you'll leave me and, and not cry. Y'all with me? I just can't handle a crying woman. And so she'd come up to me crying. I was like, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, what's going on? Well, that happened weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. I told you I'm a slow learner. So be patient with your husband. He's a slow learner. But finally, I began to understand she was overwhelmed because of everything she had going on. I sat down. I was like, baby, what's going on? Tell me why you feel the way you feel. Get ready, Andrew. It's fitting to happen. And, and so as... And, and she began to tell me why she felt overwhelmed and why these things were happening. You know what that, what that did? That showed her that I cared, number one. And number two, it showed me what I could do to help her. So you know what I do now when I get home? If she's home and she's had him all day, I get him and I go as far away from her that I can go with her with him. So she can have some time. 
Men, if you've got children, you need to give your wife some time without them youngins for a little while. Y'all with me? I got one amen. That's what I'm talking about. But see, that's the thing. We, we neglect those people closest to us, so we need to understand that they need some time away from those children. And so empathizing with each other, understanding why they feel the way they feel, helps you know how to love them better. You also need to empathize on how we communicate. All right, this is a big one. Men and women communicate differently. Y'all with me? Women need details, and a lot of them. Men, not so much. I come home from work. Sabrina, Jeremy, how's your day? Oh, man, it was great. That was it. That's the conversation done. It's on to the next thing. And, she did, and then she's upset. That goes on for a week. We just don't talk much. Man, we've been talking a lot. You ask me how my day's been, I'd say it's good. And, and then we go talk about, no, you're not really talking to me, telling me how you feel. It was good. I don't know. If it was bad, I said it was bad. And so my wife began to understand me. Do you know what she does? I get home from work. She says, how was your day? I say it was good. She's like, okay, well, who'd you talk to today? Trying to, because she knows my memory is horrible, okay? Who'd you talk to today? Oh, I talked to Andrew. I talked to Russ. I talked to these, these. Okay, well, what's, what's going on? Bam. It triggers my, my memory Oh, well, this is going on and that's going on. And next thing you know, a 45 conversation turns into a 45-minute conversation. 45-second conversation, sorry. Turns into a 45-minute conversation. Why? Because she understood who, how I communicate and adapted to it. Sometimes we have to do those things instead of not just being mad. Some of us just want to be mad. I've known couples, they just want to be mad. They know the problem. But they just want to be mad. If that's you today, I hope you get saved today because you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. The thing is, is that we, if we're a child of the king, we can't just be mad. We've got to find solutions in order to get that barrier knocked out. And, and that communication barrier is, is for most men. And in some relationships, it's swapped. And it, it, man, it makes me laugh so hard when it's like that. When the wife is, is very short and the husband needs all the details. I got a friend like that, and I tell him all the time, I said, man, you're a 70-year-old woman. You know, because he, he gets upset if he don't get the details. And he tells me, he's like, man, you don't never want to talk to me. I was like, what do you want to know? So he's, he's just constantly wants to know all the little small, minute details. I was like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm talking to my wife. You know, he's like, well, shut up. But it, it don't matter if you're a male or female. Figure out what the other... Make some tick. How, how do you talk? That's the biggest thing, and that will, that will help. So many fights will just be stopped right there because when you're not communicating, the other person feels like they don't, you don't value them, or they start being, being suspicious, saying, well, they ain't talking to me, they're talking to somebody else. Y'all with me? It helps slow those things down and stop fighting and stop fussing. So empathy with each other, empathizing with another, one another, putting yourself in, everybody, in, in the other person's shoes helps so much. The next thing is honoring one another. Ephesians 4, 2 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Showing tolerance. Sometimes you got to just tolerate some things. Y'all with me? Have you tolerated anything this past week from your spouse? Oh, y'all lying. I ain't seen nobody raise their hand. Come on. You have to tolerate sometimes the attitude. Yeah. Oh, I see one. You're going to be in trouble. But, uh, you know, you have to tolerate some things. Honoring each other, though, that, that's what, when you tolerate, instead of acting on it, you tolerate it because, until you can figure out what the problem is. Some of us are just, I'm, most men are just fix-its. I'm going to fix this thing. So we find out something's wrong, we want to fix it. Sometimes, men, you just can't fix it right then. You with me? Sometimes you just got to be there and listen. Sometimes you got to be there and, 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 and get some data so you can know how to fix it maybe later. But tolerating sometimes, tolerating these issues, honoring each other. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, be considerate to your wives as the weaker vessel. Weaker does not mean insufficient. Women don't take offense to that. There's some, a lot of friends of mine, I can read that, and they get mad all of a sudden. He's talking about weaker is indelicate. Compared to, 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 to men, women are delicate. Their emotions, 
or delicate. You got to honor those things. Their insecurities are delicate. So men, we should honor our wives, be considerate to our wives by honoring their emotions. And and that hit me in the gut when I read it this week because I I tell my wife a lot, you shouldn't feel that way. And she's like, don't tell me how to feel. You know, I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know what to do. Honor one another through those things. Understanding that God made them different for a reason. Ladies, honoring your husband. Honor your husband. God made him different than you. Don't try to change him. Don't try to change him. If your man, if you met your man and he was wearing Georgia boots and blue jeans and your idea of a perfect man is flip-flops and shorts, it ain't going to work if you try to change him. Same thing with your spouse. But if he don't know Jesus... If your spouse don't know, if your wife don't know Jesus, pursuing them, pursuing their heart, that's the change you should pursue. All these things of, of, of material stuff can wait. But a lot of times people get upset and there's conflict in the marriage because they're not honoring who each other, who, who they are, how God made them. No doubt. Now, some of us need to, need to stop being stubborn and say, that's how, I, that's, you know, I didn't make me, God made me, and that's how I am. We need, to, we need to surrender to some of those things and realize that some things we need to change. But you can't make somebody change. Only God can. Are you with me? And so honoring each other in that. When, ladies, show your husband some respect. Respect is high on a man's list. When you're honoring one another, respect, it shows trust. It acknowledges his leadership. And, and really, if you respect your husband, it discourages him to be passive. Of just, of just backing up and, and just allowing you to run the house instead of him taking control. And respect is different in a lot of different ways. But I'm going to give you some pointers because a lot of ladies, I know, just struggle with how to respect their husbands. You know, respect your husband, number one, focus on what they do good. We do that in life. A lot of us are negative people. We, fo- we, we focus on the negative all the time. And what happens is, is we focus on the negative and we overlook all the good. And it's words like, you don't never do this. How many of y'all heard that before? Like, so y'all, y'all, y'all brave, y'all raising your hand. You don't never do this. You don't never do right. And, and if you hear those you don't never, it's enough you begin as a man to think, man, I'm failing all the way around. But if your wife says, you know what, you're, you're a great dad. You're great at this. You're great at that. It begins to, to make you understand, you know what, I ain't, I, I, I'm not as bad as what I thought I was. So start telling them what they do good. Speak well of your husband in front of other people. Nothing shows disrespect worse than a woman that is downgrading their husband in front of everybody else. If you got a problem with your husband, you go do it at home. You tell him at home. Don't downgrade him to his family or to his friends or to his coworkers. That shows that you don't respect him or honor him at all. Show him respect. If you've got a blended, a blended family, support the way your husband disciplines the children. Show them respect. Just encourage your husband as he gives spiritual direction for your family. And this goes for both of you guys. But always think before you talk. Always think before you talk. The Bible says it a lot about how the tongue is the most, most corrupt and also the most destructive weapon we have because some things come out of our mouth all of a sudden and you can't take those things back. I don't care how many times you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't take back that jab to the heart that just come out of somebody's mouth. Honor. Think about those things. You know, honor one another is, is a huge part of of just any kind of relationship. And the last thing is listening to one another. And, and, and I think we really need to pay attention to this. My granddad used to always say, uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. And, and, and when you're young, you don't realize that, but the older you get, you begin 
to understand that how true that is. How many of y'all have learned that lesson that if you listen more than you talk, it'll get you out of a lot of messy situations? Huh? So listen to your spouse. Don't jump first. Listen. Ask, a little, ask some questions. Find out. But listening to each other. Communication is, is, is almost, right there pretty much the core of the issue. But a lot of times we just want to jump on, jump and get in emotional just turmoil instead of really talking it out. And a lot of times what, 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 what I've had couples come to me and it's like, you know what? Our marriage is failing. We're finna get a divorce. Everything's going on. And, and it's like, all right, what's going on? And find out the whole problem in the marriage is just communication. He's saying one thing and she thinks he's saying this, but he's not saying that. Or the opposite. Wait a minute, let me ask you, let me tell you something. Let me give you some advice. Don't do this. This will save a lot of you some problems. Don't ask your husband, do I look fat in these jeans? Don't do that. Because you don't just, because there's no good way out of that conversation sometimes. Me and Sabrina first started dating, or we first got married, and she had on some, some pants, and she said, how do I look? I was like, man, you look great. So these jeans make me look fat. I was like, No. No, they don't. She's like, well, you hesitated. I was like, well, you kind of caught me off guard. You know, what am I supposed to say? She's like, well, how, am I, how do they look? Do they make me look fat? I was like, then I'm, I'm kind of overanalyzing it. Okay, well, what you talking about? What, what does fat look like? Oh, my God. I need to take these off. I need to get these. I was like, oh, and it, it turned into an hour conversation back and forth, and I'm a nervous wreck thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? Because she was communicating one way, and I was communicating another and some of y'all in here got his poker face on like you never had that conversation and you lying to yourself. Some of the biggest problems we have is we, we put words in our spouse's mouth or in other people's mouths. They say one thing and then we jump on what they say instead of backing up a little bit and trying to understand why they said what they said. Listen to one another. Most couples find themselves fighting regularly that... They just don't know how to talk to one another. They don't know how to, they don't know how to talk. James 111.9 says, Dear friends, dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You should be slow. Some of us have got, the, it's got like an easy button and we just slap it. I mean, this is like, bam, we mad that fast. We upset that fast. And our spouses are the ones that cause us the most grief a lot of times. We get angry so quick. Before jumping the gun and getting all emotional and distraught, we need to sit down and listen to what they're really saying. What they're really saying. When your spouse comes to you and says, look, I'm not happy, that don't mean, hey, I'm going to divorce. That means there's some problems here. Let's talk these things through. When, when your spouse says that, 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 that they, they hurt you, like, that you hurt them, like you, you've hurt me when you said that. Don't just sit there and, and, and push that off, but really listen to what they said. Paying attention to what people say. You need to pay attention to what people say just as much as what they don't say. A lot of us are very nitpicky. We can pick out Everything people say wrong. If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that I said ain't when I should have said isn't, I would not have to ever work again. I just tell them I grew up in the South, get off my back. But the thing is, we need to quit looking and scrutinizing everything and just really listen. Speaking less when conversation gets heated, that's one thing. Sometimes if you know that you know you, you know that if, if things get heated, your mouth goes into overdrive. And you start saying stuff that you have no business saying. You know that when it gets heated, you're going to say something to get them off your back. And most of the time when you say that, what, you're going to say the thing that hurts them the most because you know what hurts them. So you're going to say something, you're going to hurt them, conversation over, and now the next four months you got to deal with the wreckage of that one bad decision. If you'd have just slowed down a little bit, and realize, let me shut my mouth. Let me listen. And the last thing is listen to the Holy Spirit. If we are a child of the King, 
And we're listening to what the king says, right? We're walking in hand in hand with God. And, and, and God doesn't want confusion and destruction in your marriage. I had a guy tell me one day that, if there's, that, that God is not the author of confusion. So if there's confusion in your marriage, then oftentimes we've allowed, or if there's confusion in any kind of relationship, we've allowed Satan to get in us and tempt us. And we've allowed our personality to elevate his principality. And we've given him a foothold in that relationship. And we need to recognize what God's done, what, what Satan's done, and bring it all back to the cross. See, if we're truly followers of Jesus, if all of us are followers of Christ, then you will give your spouse the grace that they deserve. Just like Jesus gave us. Jesus gave me grace when I've messed up. Jesus said, if you come to me, all who are heavy laden, take upon my yoke, I will give you rest. My burden is easy, my yoke is light. That's what he says. And a lot of us are carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying. And a lot of times there's conflict in our marriages and our relationships because we're carrying things from the past that we never got resolved. And it might not even be your spouse's fault, the reason you feel the way you feel. Maybe you need to go and lay some things at the foot of the cross that's been causing problems in your marriage from either past relationships or family hurts. It might even be abuse that's happened to you long ago and it's, it's tampered and messed up every relationship you've been in. Maybe you need to come and lay that at the cross this morning. Because nothing glorifies God than a man and a woman walking in unity, in harmony. We can't do that by ourselves. But not just in a marriage relationship, nothing glorifies God more than you walking in unity with your coworkers at work. Then you walking in unity with your brothers and sisters sitting beside you in church. Nothing breaks God's heart the most is people who claim to know the power of God and don't walk in it. And marriage is the, is the biggest example of that. You're living with somebody that's going to hurt you, maybe to hurt you tomorrow. There's going to be something that's going to happen tomorrow that's going to, get, going to make you mad with your spouse. They're right there by you every day. They know you the best. But if you choose not to forgive them and move on, allow that, that heartache to be there. What you're choosing is yourself over Jesus. And it's time for us to put these petty stuff away and start elevating God in everything we do. And I know that when I look at my wife, and she is a, she's a child of the King, and I pursue her like I'm pursuing Jesus, that changes everything. There's some things just ain't worth talking about no more. There's some things just ain't worth fussing about anymore. There's some times where I don't want to go to the in-laws. You know what? I go anyway because that's where she wants to go. There's sometimes I don't want to. You notice what I'm saying? I, I, I. When you are following Christ, what does the word say? That I die to myself daily. So in order for your marriage to look like Jesus Christ, that means a lot of times you have to die to your own self every day in order to please your spouse. The same thing in other, other, other situations. Conflict does not glorify God. Resolution does. And the design, by design, the design of God, the reason He created marriage is so that people can see what true harmony looks like, what true love looks like. I will never forget the time that I saw a man way out of the context of what I thought a good man was. He was bald-headed. He had tats on his head. He had them all on his neck. And I was like, man, that joker, he's, he's like, he looked like a punk rocker. That's what he looked like. And I was like, man, he, he's, he's, I started judging him just before I was saved. But I started judging him and everything. And this dude, he had on a tie. He had all black outfit on. And he was walking with this woman. And she was beautiful. She had, he was had her on her arm. He's walking down right in front of J.C. Penney in Statesboro. I'll never forget it. He's walking down through there. He had a little dap to him. You could tell he was proud of what he had on his arm. And he walks around this big old jacked up truck in the parking lot, goes all the way around, opens the door, and puts her in it. And that may sound corny, y'all, but it blew me away because he put her first. 
He cared about her safety first. He cared about her being in the vehicle first. He cared about her more than anything else. And he put her in there and I was like, wow. And a lot of our relationships start out like that. We honor them first and we put them first and we open the car door. And if you're not careful 10 years down the road, she's just lucky if she gets in the car before you leave the driveway. Because we stop putting each other first. We put ourselves first. And we've got to always remember that our relationship with Jesus should be reciprocated in our relationship with our spouse. So today, as we close this out, husbands, what's handled? The Bible says that being considered to your wife be considered to your wife so it doesn't hinder your prayers. You know, the way we treat our spouses affects our prayer life. There's some things that God may not be hearing because you're not getting junk right with your spouse. Is God hearing you because is your heart pure? Or are you holding on to things that you shouldn't be holding on to? Husbands, we are, the, we are the head of the house. We should lead our homes. That means we should lead our wives and show them what a forgiving heart is even though they won't, don't want to forgive. We should love them longer, hold them tighter than they do us. When she takes five steps, we should take ten. God's called us to be that leader in our, house, in our homes, modeling not just what it means to be a godly husband or godly man, but mean, just meaning what it means to look like Jesus. So do you look like that? Well, the way you've treated your spouse this past week, could the other one say, I've seen Christ in them all week long? Because if that's not it, then you need to come to this altar and give it to God. How about other relationships? How about relationships at work? How about relationship with your parents? How about relationships with other family? Is there stuff that you need to get mended? Because confusion does not glorify God. And guys, I want you to remember who we're fighting this morning. You're not fighting that person that you've been opposition for. You're fighting Satan. And you can't fight him on your own. You have to go to your knees and fight. So this morning, I'm going to open up this altar. If you realize that really that the reason you don't treat your spouse the way Christ loved the church is because you don't know Jesus, if you need to spend your life to him today so that you can love people the way God's called you to love people, I'll be standing right here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to, to, to lead you to Christ right here today because you will never know true joy and true fulfillment in any relationship until you truly surrender to God. And all of us can sit on these pews and we can look like we've got it all figured out. But the biggest thing, reason we do church every week is so we can come and get right with the Savior. We can worship God together. How can we raise our hands and say, it is well with my soul when it is not well with my spouse? How can we say that it is well with my soul in the beginning of the service and it not be well with the coworker or with the parents? God, guys, I want to tell you, God wants you to reconcile your problems, reconcile your relationships. He wants them things fixed. And sometimes it takes you stepping out, being that change and refusing to keep your mouth shut. Maybe this morning you got to say, God, you got to remove this bitterness that's in me. I've been done wrong. I've been hurt. I deserve to be mad. Thank God he don't think that way. We were made, guys, to glorify God. And our relationships show that more than anything. So I'm going to open the altar up. I'm going to pray. If the worship team comes up, And when they start playing, when they start playing, y'all y'all start coming. Y'all deal with the issues today so that we can glorify God. That's what God wants us to do, not just come and go out of church, but to really get right with Jesus, to get our relationships right, to get our heart right. So let's do that today. Y'all with me? Amen. Y'all with me? All right. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord, and God will just talk. Uh, 
I pray, Father, that we would put these principles into practice, Father, that we would really think about knowing each other, that we would really think about empathizing with each other, God. We would really think about honoring each other, Lord, and listening to one another, Father. I pray, God, that also we would really think about that with you, Lord. Because a lot of times, God, I know in my relationship with my wife that if I'm not loving her the way that you've called me to love her, chances are I'm not loving you the way you've called me to love you, God. So, Father, help us love you the way you demand to be loved, God. Father, help us to abandon everything else but you, Father. God, we're pursuing you, and as we pursue your heart, God, it will show in how we handle relationships, how we handle other people. God, I pray right now, God, that you would melt our hearts, Lord that we would have a a, a sense of just genuineness, Lord. We want to be real people, real followers of you, not these people that come and go out of the doors and that paint this pretty picture that we got everything figured out. But God, we're real with you, God. And I pray, Father, you would break our hearts, Lord. Forgive us of our inconsistency, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where we're just putting ourselves on a more, more priority level than we do you, God. Father, I pray right now that you would break our hearts what breaks yours. Lord, I pray for any marriage that's in this room right now, God, if it's not walking in harmony, God, there's confusion and disillusion, then God, I pray that you would convict their hearts right now, God, and they would begin to come to you. Father, I ask you to reconcile families, reconcile marriages, reconcile friendships, Lord. Show us, Father, what the conflict is, Lord, so we can be the agents of change. Your word says, blessed are those who are peacemakers. God, I know your word says the peacemakers. That's an action, but we have to take action to be a peacemaker. A lot of us have been being peacekeepers, Lord. But God, help us be peacemakers, Lord. Help us be active agents on restoring peace in our families and at workplace. God, help us be people that are not people that stir the pot. But God, we're the people that just, we're the salt. God, we're the salt everywhere we go. Your word says that we are the salt of the earth, God. Help us, Lord, remain salty so that the people can see the difference in our lives. So God, do what only you can do in the lives of us right here in this room. And Father God, change us. Change our perspective so that we're not looking at things through our eyes, but through yours. God, help us today. Be your people so that people around us will know that you are our God. God, we surrender these things to you right now. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all will stand.